Okay, good evening everybody. Thank you for coming to learn together tonight on an evening, I guess, where others maybe are, uh, I don't know, at super spreader events or whatever whatever it is. But uh, thank you very much for coming and learning this evening. Uh, so tonight we're going to discuss, uh, I'll, I'll mention two Shilas, and as per our custom in the chat, you can vote on which Shila you would like to speak about this evening. So uh, one Shila was, uh, someone asked that uh, a fellow wanted to make a fairly significant donation to a shul in his neighborhood. He had, uh, he had uh, committed to a particular uh, amount of money to give to the shul, and uh, the shul is called Artora. It's Rabbi Sabalovsky's shul in Tinek. And he went online, and he found Artora, and he made the donation for, uh, for a few thousand dollars to Artora. And then he called them up just to make sure that they received the donation. And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. We, have never re- we didn't receive your donation. He said, what are you talking I, I, about? My credit card was charged. I have the receipt. And he sent the uh, screenshot of his receipt from, the, from making the donation. And they said, yes, you did send four thousand dollars to uh, a-, a shul called Artora, just not this shul called Artora. There's a shul Artora in Edison, New Jersey, under the leadership of Rabbi Yaakov Luban Shlita, and uh, they were the recipients of a wonderful $4,000 donation from a man in Tinek. So uh, the Shaila is, uh, is he allowed to take back, so to speak, or uh, demand back his donation to the shul in Edison, New Jersey, so that he can give the donation instead where he intended it to go in Tinek instead. So that is Shaila number one. Shaila number two. I got an email from someone that reads as follows. Hi, Rabbi. I hope you're well. An interesting Shaila came up, and I was wondering what you thought. My wife was shopping online, and there were a few items on sale. Most things were around 40% off, but one item was 91% off. It was a brand new item. My wife is sure that it must have been a mistake. That is not a common discount at all on this website. It feels wrong to take advantage of someone else's mistake, especially to the extent of buying many of the item in question. On the other hand, while likely, it's not definitely an error. So what are your thoughts? As an aside, he writes, we decided to buy a whole bunch of the item and mail the company and uh, mail the company asking if it was in fact an error, in which case we will return them. But he wanted to know whether he's obligated to uh, to do that. So that is Shaila number two. So if we could use the uh, the chat to vote which Shaila we're more interested in. Ooh, the the votes are coming in fast and furious. Ooh, it's a close vote. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Okay, so oh oh wow, tiebreaker. All right. So uh, is that all the votes? Um, okay, so it looks like uh, looks like Shiloh number one is going to uh, to win for tonight. Um, Henry, you get the tiebreaker anyway. Um, so uh, so the, the uh, so it's uh, Shiloh number one. It will be, and if we have time for number two, maybe we'll discuss Shiloh number two as well. So uh, Shiloh number one, what, what exactly is the issue over here? Meaning um, the uh, when you, when you give tzedakah, there's no doubt that when you give tzedakah, you're not allowed to ask for the tzedakah back. When you make any sort of kinyan, you're not allowed to ask for the the um for the item back. So what's the issue over here? Why would one be allowed to uh, to ask for it back? So the, the, the assumption would be that just like we have such a thing called a mekach ta'us, that if a person uh, engages in uh, in a transaction but it was clearly under a false pretense, under a mistake, so uh, so then it's uh, your choser on the mekach. The mekach ta'us is not a mekach at all. The transaction is not binding at all. So over here, clearly it was a ta'us. But on the other hand, how clear is it that 
that it is a Tos. Rabbi Yaakov Luban's shul is a wonderful shul. My in-laws daven there. It's, uh, why wouldn't someone want to give money to that shul? So uh, maybe someone was uh, very inspired. They were eating uh, OU kosher food, and they said, you know, that Rabbi Luban, he, he does a good job making sure the OU runs right, and uh, and, and I, I have Hakar Satov, so I want his, uh, his shul to have a few thousand dollars. So uh, how do I know that the person is in fact telling the truth and that he really intended to give it to uh, to a different shul. He did a transaction where he very clearly gave it to that shul. So uh, so this seems to be the sugya of Dvarim Shebelev. At what point do we say, meaning that what happened was there was a maisa. The maisa was the donation. Now, the Dvarim Shebelev are that I didn't intend this donation to go here, I intended it to go elsewhere. But that was never stated anywhere, there was never a tenai that was attached to it. So the question is, when do we pay attention to Dvarim Shebelev, and when do we ignore Dvarim Shebelev? It would seem to be that it would depend on that sugya. That is a sugya in Meseches Kiddushin. The Gemara Kiddushin Daf Memtes of Nebez tells us as follows, that Ahu Gavra de Zavin Yisrael. There was a fellow that uh, wanted to make Aliyah, and he started selling off all of his stuff. He didn't want to, they didn't have a lift back in those days. You couldn't bring stuff with you when you go to Eretz Yisrael, so he was selling off his Nechassim. And when he sold it, he didn't say anything. He just he just was selling it. Now, in his mind, he was, he was selling it because he was going to Eretz Yisrael. But he didn't tell that to people. There was a lawn sale or a garage sale, and everyone came, and he just sold all of his all of his stuff. So, that it's all Dvarim Shabalev, and therefore, the Mechira is Chal, he cannot back out. He sold his Nechassim with the plan of moving to Eretz Yisrael. He never said explicitly that the Mechira is al that he goes to Eretz Yisrael, and then an onus happens, he can't go, something comes up, and he's unable to go to Eretz Yisrael, the Mechira is chal, and he's unable to back out. Then the Gemara brings five possible sources for where did Ravan know this? How did Ravan know that Dvarim Shebelev are Enam Dvarim? Now, they're instru- the, the sources are instructive, but particularly the last source is instructive. The Gemara finally settles on the following source for the concept of Dvarim Shebelev Enam Dvarim. Uvda hava beirav chista, beirav chista beirav huna, upashtua meha. They, they, uh, they, they were able to arrive at the conclusion from the following Mishnah in Meseches Me'ila. Ha'omer l'shlucha aveli min achalon, o min adluskma. A fellow says to somebody else, go get me that money from that cubby or from that drawer. And he identifies where the money is. Vehevilo. And the other guy brings it. Even though the Balabai says, no, I didn't mean that money, meaning the fellow goes and he buys something with it, and it turned out that it was Mamun Shal Hegdish. It turned out that it was Hegdish money. So now there is a concept that ain't Shliach Lidvara But the exception to that concept, one of the two exceptions to that concept is Mi'ila. That by Mi'ila there is Shliach Lidvara So the Mishaleach would be Chayiv in Mi'ila if the guy that he sent went and, uh, and, and, and violated Me'ila at his instruction. So the fellow said, no, no, I didn't really mean for him to take that money, the money of Hegdish, I meant for him to take different money. Do I now have to bring a carbon Me'ila? Am I chayiv for the Me'ila? So, the Balabayis is in violation of Me'ila, asks the Gemara, but he said, that I didn't mean in my 
heart, I, I, I really intended something else. I misspoke. I said that cubby, I meant the other cubby. I said that draw, I meant the other draw. No, what you said is what you said. And therefore, the Gemara says he could not have been saying it. So the Gemara asks, well, maybe he was just saying it. To, that, that's not a good source for because maybe the only reason he claimed that he meant different money is because he, he realized he's going to be a chayv of karba now. Meaning they tell him, oh, guess what, buddy? You just violated me, Ela, and now you have to bring in carbon. I didn't mean it. You know, so of course, now all of a sudden he didn't mean it. So, uh, so so the Gemara says, no, because if you really wanted to get out of a carbon, there's an easier way to get out of a carbon. If someone accuses you of mi'ila, a, a pro tip for when the Beis Amigdash is rebuilt, if someone accuses you of mi'ila and you don't want to bring a carbon for the mi'ila, all you need to say is... Mezid hayisi. Mi'ila is when you do mi'ila b'shogeg. So you could say, I did it b'mezid. And, and ironically, if you do it b'mezid, there's no carbon mi'ila, and then you're not going to have to bring a carbon. So if you really wanted to get out of the carbon, you could have just said, Mezid hayisi. Says the Gemara, what kind of moron is going to say Mezid hayisi? Meaning, you know, when you say Mezid hayisi, you're saying that you're a Russia. A guy would never do that. You know, one thing we care about more than our money is our honor. And he, he's not going to, he's not going to say that he was, uh, that he was amazed. So the Gemara says, no, he he could have he could have had another way out of Mi'ila. What he could have done was he could have said that he realized before the Shliach carried out his mission, he already realized uh, what he had done. And and at that point it's Tchilaso Bishogeg Vesofo Bemezid, and then he would not be Chayv Mi'ila. I mean technicalities within the laws of Mi'ila, there would have been another way out based on the technicality. But bottom line, that's the sugya in Mesachis Kiddushin. When you just see the Gemara, you say, uh oh, this fellow that gave four thousand dollars to Rabbi Luban Shulin Edison, he's he's in trouble. That Devarim Shabalev, Enam Devarim. We can't uh, just believe that it wasn't meant for that shul. But then you look at Tosos. Actually, before we get to Tosos, uh, why is it that Devarim Shabalev, Enam Devarim? Because this is also very instructive in terms of understanding the Gedarim. What what's the svara to say that Devarim Shabalev, Enam Devarim? The guy meant it. So why 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 does what he means and what he intends? Why does that not matter? So there there is a Chakira in the Achronim um, that's that's quoted by Poskin <coughs> in the Rosh Hashanah on the Shulchan Aruch that discusses the following. Either Dvarm Shablevenam Dvarim because we're Khoshesh that he's lying. Meaning, yeah, it's easy to say afterwards, I didn't mean it. So we we don't know that he's telling the truth, so we can only know by what is out here in the world, what is evident to it, our eyes, and whatever's going on inside of his head is something we can never know. So therefore we have to be Khoshesh that he's lying, or not that we're Choshesh that he's lying, even if we know for sure that he's not lying, it's only the mice that matters and thoughts are irrelevant. That Tvarim Shebelev simply don't have any strength lahalacha. The Chelkas Mechokek, which is commentary on the side of Ebenezer and Simon Membez, says, Afal yodim Even if I know for sure he's not lying, we still, meaning the guy is an honest guy. Everything he's always done, his reputation all over the place, is the most honest person. He's a person of great integrity. I know he's not lying. Of course he's not lying. Nevertheless, uh, says the Chalkas Mechokek, Now the context of the case of the Chalkas Mechokek is a guy was Makadesh and And then he says, oh, I was just kidding. I was just messing around. Um, I, I, I know he's not lying. 
lying. How do I know he's not lying? He's 14 years old, and he's on a summer program, you know, uh, and he uh, and his friends uh, just said, oh, I dare you to say Aram Kadeshisli to that girl that you never spoke to. And by the way, every summer, except for this past summer, Corona, there were no summer programs, but every summer in some summer program, there's some idiot teenager that does this and ends up uh, leaving a girl unable to marry a Kohen. Um, but... Uh, but anyway, the uh, the the uh, so so I know that he wasn't uh, that he wasn't jo- I know that he was joking. I know that he didn't really mean it. Uh, nevertheless, Chalkas Machalkik says Dvarim Dvarim. What he did is what he did. It doesn't matter that what the Dvarim Shabalev are. On the other on the, on the other hand, many Achronim the Kuntrasei Shiurim quotes Kuntrasei Shiurim is uh, Rav Gustman. Rav Gustman has these long long Shiurim. On, oh, I don't have Kiddushin here, but uh, Kiddushin, he has a long, long ma'aracha uh, on this topic of Dvarim Shabalei Venom Dvarim, and he points out, he discusses this Chakira, and he suggests that the Machshava is not powerful enough to be Mevatele Dibur. The Nafkamina might be in a case where you believe the person. If I know that the person is telling the truth, so if Dvarim Shabalei Venom Dvarim is because I don't believe them, so when I do believe them, then the Dvarim Shabalei have Dvarim. But if it's not because I don't believe them, it's just because the the Dvarm Shablev don't have the koach to do anything. Well, then, uh, then even if I do believe the guy, the Dvarm Shablev don't have the koach to overpower a Misa. So this is where we ret- we turn to the Rishonim to help us out a little bit, because again, at this point. <laughs> it seems a little bit troubling. It seems like the fellow is not going to have a way out. However, the Baliatosis point out all the Rishon, many of the Rishonim point out that if it is abundantly clear what the fellow's intention was, it was obvious to all what the fellow's intention was, everybody knew that the guy, for example, in the case of the Gemara Kedushin, was that the guy, the guy was planning to move to Eretz Yisrael. And that's why he, it was, he made the yard sale. It wasn't Stam because he was cleaning out his garage one day and he was just trying to get rid of stuff. Everyone knew what his intention was. So when there's an umduna demuchach, that that's what the only reason he was selling his stuff, the Baliatosa say that in such a case, his dvarm shabalev do work. And Tosas brings two rayas, and the rush brings a third raya to this. One raya Tosas brings is a Gemara Babasra Dov Kuflam and Bezamad Aleph. The Gemara tells us if a person gives away all of his nechasim, to somebody else, to a stranger, to someone who's not related to him, because he thinks his son is no longer alive, and then, v'nimtza shebeno kayam, it turns out that his son, in fact, is alive, the sale is batel, even though he never expressed the tanai. Normally, in order to, uh, w- to to prevent your kinyan from being chal, you would need to make it tanai. The guy never made it tanai. Still, the sale is going to be batel. Second raya Tulsa says, Bababasra, one amud earlier, kuf lamed alef amud beis, a shchiv meira, a guy on his deathbed, writes uh, in, uh, to give his wife all of his nechassim, that he's no sane, kol nechassav le'ishto, uh, on, his, on his deathbed. So uh, the Gemara says, nobody used to do that. Your nechassim were meant to go to your children, not to go to your wife. And clearly what he meant was that his wife should be an apotropos, that his wife should be in charge of the estate to make sure that everything runs smoothly, but not that she is actually going to be the owner of everything. She has a ksuba for that, right? He's not giving actually kol nechassav le'ishto. It's unusual, or at least was unusual, to give kol nechassav le'ishto, which is interesting, but that, that was the, the assumption. So the Gemara says, well, wait a second, then why did he say that he's being no-sane? 
Don't say that you're giving. Just just say that you're making an apotropos. So the says mishum kvoda that it's uh, to to maintain her dignity. He writes it in a nicer lashon kiilu. He's giving her everything. But it's uh, but since it's obvious that that's not what he means, it's therefore the dvarm shabalev is something that was never expressed. Is something that we nevertheless pay attention to. And a third raya, the rush writes in Masechus Basra that uh, third raya from every single case of shchiv Meaning, what happens? A, a matna a guy decides he's giving, uh, you know, he's, he's on his deathbed and he says, uh, my house goes to uh, whatever, I want to give it to this charity or something, to a particular tzedakah. And then, just his luck, he gets better. And he has a refuah shalema. And now he wants to go home. Home, he just gave away his home. He doesn't have a home anymore. No, so the halacha is, yes, he does. He has a home. Why? Because it was a matna shchivmira. Matna shchivmira is on the assumption that he's going to die if he, uh, if he gets up and he has a refuah from that illness. So then there's no matna shchivmira. Then he can go home and the, the matana is canceled. I dvarim shabalev. Yeah, but it's obvious. It's obvious that he didn't mean that. So that's case one of uh, dvarim shabalev, that when it's an umdana de then we can trust the Dvarim Shabalev, even though the Gemara says, Dvarim Shabalev enim Dvarim. Now, when there is a Migo, there's a Machloka Sachron, meaning uh, the guy uh, says, look, believe me that my Dvarim Shabalev were this, because he, I, I could have said something else that would have that would have gotten me out of the uh, commitment anyway. Um, whatever the, uh, you know, I could have claimed that there was fraud in my account, and, uh, and, and I could dispute the credit card charge, or something like that. It's not too late to do that, that someone got a hold of my card, and I could... Uh, so believe me that uh, that my dvarim shabalev, because if I really wanted out of the charge, I assume a person could do that on the very day that he uh, that he makes the that the charge hits his credit card. He could probably still call the credit card company and cancel the charge. Uh, no, the, the money probably hasn't really changed hands hands yet. So we, believe me with a, with amigos. So that's a machlokas in the poskim. The chalkas machokik on the side of Ebenezer says dvarm dvarm shabalev dvarm because the logic for dvarm shabalev not working is not a lack of ne'emanus. It's not that we don't believe the guy. Migo works mikoach ne'emanus. Believe me, I say this, because if I really wanted to lie, I could have said that. I do believe you, but even though I believe you that you really meant something else, I just can't listen to Dvarim Shabalev. It, it just doesn't have koach. Dvarim Shabalev just doesn't mean anything. So that's what the Chalkas Machokik says, that Amigo will not help you over here. However, the Chacham Tzvi writes that it's all about Ne'emanus. So when he has Amigo, he is believed, because it's all about believing him. And if we have a reason to believe him, then uh, we, we believe him, even though it's only Dvarim Shebelev. Another interesting um, case where the post can discuss whether or not Dvarim Shebelev or Dvarim or not, is, uh, is when dealing with things that are Ben Adam Lamakom. Non-Ben Adam L'Chaveru issues, Ben Adam Lamakom issues. Like by Bittel Chametz, there's a Machlokas Rishonim. Uh, what if you do Bittel Belev? Right, so uh, so most Rishonim say it's still enam devarim. You have to be mevatel bepeh. You have to say it straight out. Whereas the Meiri writes, what do you mean? You never heard the phrase Rachmana libabai? Hakadosh Baruch Hu uh, wants what's in your heart. Hakadosh Baruch Hu knows what's in your heart. So if your 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 bittel is really only about your relationship with the Rebbeinu Shalom, that you shouldn't violate this. So about your Rabbi Yimatzei, Rachmana libabai or Anan Sadi Shabita. We know you wanted to be mevatel because who would want to violate? Uh, Bali Rabbi Matzi, who would want to violate an Isra of, uh, of Chametz? This also comes up in another context. Um, what if a person is Mochel Bulev? 
I think one of my very first from the rabbi's desk shiurim had a fascinating shaila. There was a, I, I wrote it up for one of these uh, why you. Um, what are they called? The Torah to go, uh, you know, things that they hand out in the shuls. Um, there, it was uh, years ago. A fellow told me that he uh, had loaned someone ten thousand dollars years earlier. A loan of ten thousand dollars. Fellow's not a rich fellow, but he's a very um, generous person. You know, if someone asks for the shirt off his back, he would do that too. So he lent someone ten thousand dollars, and 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 it was it, it was supposed to be due six months later. So uh, he asked for the money back six months later, and the fellow said, "I'm sorry, I just can't. I just don't have the money." He asked for it back a year later. I'm sorry, I can't. I just don't have the money. Another year later, another year later, and he kept on asking, and the the person kept saying, "I'm sorry, I just don't have the money." So after a while, he gave up, and he just said, "Okay, this guy's obviously not paying not paying me back." And he never he was never mochel, but he stopped asking because uh, he figured the fellow's not paying him back. Then one year on erev Rosh Hashanah, he started thinking to himself. It's not right. I don't want that this guy should have to go to Gehenim because uh, he's he's refusing to pay me back. So I'm going to be mochel uh, the 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 loan. But he didn't call him up and say I'm mochel. He just said to himself, uh, you know, re- during Rosh Hashanah davening, he said to himself, Rebona Shalom, I don't want this guy to have to suffer because uh, he owes me money on my account, um, and therefore, uh, you know, a uh, mochel. I don't want him to have to suffer, a mochel. And then, day after Rosh Hashanah Tzom Gedalia, he opens up the mail, and uh, apparently on Erev Rosh Hashanah, uh, the fellow had sent him a check. He has a $10,000 check in the mail. So now he, he asked me, can I cash the check? I was mochel during Rosh Hashanah davening. Am I allowed to cash the check? So is this a binding mechila if a person was just mochel? So mechila believe the marshal in his beer on the smag, the mitzvah memches, says that it works, mechila believe, but the ketzos says that no, you need dibur mamish in order for a mechila to be chal. So I said, it probably could be some, I told the guy, probably could be some of the marshal because you didn't have real dibur. He said, I didn't tell you that I didn't have real dibur. I did have real dibur. He said, I said it. I said the words out loud. I, I, I said, said, I am Mochel. I didn't say it to anybody, I just said, but I did definitely say the words audibly that I am Mochel. So I said, oh, back to the drawing board now. <laughs> okay, what, what can I do for this fellow? Um, so the, 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 uh, the, the, there is a discussion, a further discussion in Postkim, whether Dibor has to be like a declaration that others can hear or Dibor could even just mean if you're talking to yourself, right? A guy is uh, singing in the shower, I'm Mochel, I'm Mochel, I'm Mochel and no one, uh, no one can hear him so that's not, uh, that may not count as Dibor, that might also be Dvarim Shebelev, it might not be a valid, uh, a valid Mechilo, or it's at least subject to that Machlokas between the Marshal and the, uh, and the Ktsos. It happens to be, uh, in that particular Shaila, I asked Rav Shechter uh, what he thought Rav Shechter said, uh, the fellow uh, would never have been Mochel had he known that the guy had sent the mail in the che- that sent the check in the mail already. Meaning it was a mechila betos. It was a mechila because he didn't have all the information on hand. Had he known that the that the person had sent the check in the mail, of course he wasn't going to be mochel. So uh, so it's a mechila betos. I, I think I, I forgot who one of the postkin that I spoke to said it's not just that. It's that had the guy even known that he was working toward paying it back. I mean it's not like this guy just ran into ten thousand dollars one day. Obviously he was saving up over some time to get the ten thousand dollars to pay him back. Had you even known that he that he still remembered you that he was still thinking. About paying it back, you never would have been mochel. So the whole thing is a mechila betalus. So it's not uh, just a matter of dvarim shabalev. It's a mechila mechila betalus. Rav Zilberstein uh, suggested a great uh, chiddush. Uh, it was in Torah to go five seven eight one. Thank you. So Rav Zilberstein suggested that uh, he, he suggested. Um, 
What did Rav Zilberstein say? Rav Zilberstein said that um, that that uh, that you were never mochel the lung. you were mochel the onesh. That as as to the extent that uh, this person is going to be punished on your account, that's what you were mochel. But you're never mochel the actual lung. Okay, so that's also a question of dvarim shableit. There are cases that definitely need dibor mamish. If you want to make something hefker, that definitely requires dibor. You want to make something hegdish, that requires dibor. Nidarim, shavuos, naziros, that all requires, uh, even if it's numdana demuchach, it's not going to help. You need levate bisvasayim in those cases. You need to actually say the words, even if we know for sure that you really meant to make the item to become a nazir or whatever. But that's just a xeris a, a, a that to be a Nazir, you need to actually levate besvasai, we need to enunciate it. Then there are cases where machshava for sure works. Kadshe uh, mizbeach, you want to designate an animal as kadshe mizbeach. Pasuk says, kol nediv lev. So we see, tvarm shebelev works, because it's a pasuk in the, in the, in the Torah. So, uh, you know, when the machshava doesn't even contradict the dibur, uh, like, uh, let's say, Ruven picks up a metziah, and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say that he's being conned for himself, he doesn't say he's being conned for other people, he just picks up a metziah. So then he says, afterwards, oh, by the way, when I picked it up, I had in mind that I was conned it for Shimon. Zachnadam Shlobafanov, you're allowed to make a kinyan for somebody else. So I was being conned. So it's not really so sir what he did. It's not a contradiction to what he did. You know, it's one thing if I give money to uh, Shulden Edison, and I say, no, I really meant to give the money to the Shul and Tinek. That's a stira between what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. But over here, when you pick up a Metziah, it's not really a stira between what you did and what you thought. So in such a case, the Nesivos writes in Semirei Samachtas, Dvarim Shableiv have a Dvarim, that we trust that he intended to be Kona it for Shimon. And uh, therefore, if he later decides to keep it for himself, he's a Ganeth. You're not allowed to steal that which already belongs to Shimon. When you make a Kenyan for somebody else, Zachnadim Shalbefanav, you're actually being Kona it for or the other person. The Ktsos disagrees. The Ktsos writes that even in that case where you pick up the Metziah and you don't say anything and then you later reveal that it was, uh, it was for uh, Shimon, he says, and, and you can keep it. Um, there is a discussion um, if a person like uh, misspeaks, like he meant to say Truma and he said Meiser. So then we follow what he meant to say because that which he was Motzi Besvasav is, uh, is, is Enoklum. That's what Tulsus writes in Meseches Psachim on Dav Samach Gimel Amaralif. That sometimes if it's obvious that a person is misspeaking, so that's like an umdana demuchach, that uh, the words that he said, you know, he clearly uh, just stuttered a little bit, he, uh, the, wor- the wrong word came out of his mouth. So let's go back to our case. So in our case, uh, it would depend how much money it was. Uh, meaning, let's say it was a, uh, normally, let's just put this, make this clear, normally when it comes to Dine Mominus, uh, a, a case of a Shavapruta is the same as a case of a million dollars. It doesn't make a difference. If uh, the money belongs, you know, sometimes, like, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll discuss a case, and you'll say, oh, this fellow borrowed five dollars from that fellow, and then this, they have this argument, so what's the halacha? So people will say, like, who cares? Okay, let, let, let me change it. This fellow borrowed five million dollars from the other person. Ooh, now it's an exciting case, right? You know, now, now all of a sudden everyone's ears point. It's the same case, right? Normally, when you have Dine Mamnus, it doesn't make a difference how much money it is. We have to have uh, absolute integrity and, uh, and, and decide the case is the same. But over here, it actually makes a difference probably how much money it is because we have this concept called Umdana Demuchach, that, uh, that if there's this, if it's so obvious that he did not mean to give it to the Shulin Edison, uh, because he never would have given such a donation to the Shulin Edison, 
then it's numdana demuchach. Now, is it so obvious that a fellow from Tinak won't give a thirty-six dollar donation to Shulin Edison? Maybe he got an aliyah there once, or maybe he davened there once, and he wanted to give it. You know, that happens all the time. I give thirty-six dollar donations wherever. You know, I uh, whatever. You know, you go to uh, to a shul and uh, you get an aliyah. So yeah, sure, why not? Uh, you, you get a, you you benefit from the shul. I'm not giving them four thousand dollar donations. My own shul, maybe I'll give four thousand dollar donation. So uh, since it's based on the amount of money that it was, uh, the, uh, the 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 um Lechora, it's uh, he's allowed to get the money back. Aside from that, if he calls up the shul and the shul says we're, we're interested in giving it back to you, we have no intention of keeping. I Meaning, this is if he were fighting about it, if there were some sort of argument. But certainly, if he calls up the shul and uh, Rabbi Luban says, "Okay, I, I totally understand," or whoever the president of the shul is, the board of the shul says, "We totally understand." That makes a lot of sense. You know, there's there's art Torahs in a lot of places. We happen to have an art Torah here in North Woodmere also, and uh, they have like two different bank accounts: art Torah Svaradi and Artara Ashkenazi. It's the same building even, so that, that, that can get really confusing. So you have Artara's everywhere. It's a beautiful name for a shul. Uh, there's only one base HaKnesses of North Woodmere, so we don't get uh, too, many confu- too much confusion about that. But there are Artara's uh, everywhere, so, uh, so it makes sense, and the shul will say, and I, are the board members of the shul allowed to do that? They're allowed to just give away money? It's Mom and Hegdish. How could they just give away money? That's why we have boards of shuls, that they're supposed to be able to make those decisions. That uh, not every decision has to please everybody, and boards are allowed to decide what's a reasonable expenditure and what's not, and what's erlich and what's not, and what's the right thing to do for the shul. So uh, it's not even a shayla uh, assuming that the uh, that the shul in Edison said, yeah, yeah, we understand the mistake. I know that if a, if a donation comes into our shul uh, for uh, whatever, for really almost any amount of money, but like for a thousand dollars, I'll immediately get an email from the bookkeeper, from from the person who takes care of our accounts. Who is this person? Do you know this person? And you should probably call and say thank you if you do. Um, you know that 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 should be flagged immediately. And if no one knows the person, so then you question whether maybe uh, maybe it was a uh, it was it was it was a mistake. Um, you know, sometimes I'm running a charity thing, I'm trying to take care of someone in need, and uh, so money comes in for that purpose through uh, one of the shul accounts. So uh, you know, and the person accidentally, instead of sending it to the charity fund, sends it to the main fund. So what? We should just say, okay, the shul's keeping it. Someone sent fifty thousand dollars for uh, you know for some uh, major need in the in the community. Okay, we're just we're just going to keep it. No, you're not going to do that. That's uh, that's what a shul board is for to be reasonable and to make the proper call. But okay, that is uh, shaila number one. Bez Hashem, we'll have uh, other occasions, I guess, to discuss the other shaila. I already did another shirim. I'm sure Rabbi Lubin understood the money towards Rabbi shul. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Rabbi Lubin understood. Yeah. Um, can he, if one were the person giving the stock in this case, can he split it? Perhaps give three kates of Sadovsky and one to Rabbi Luban. How would Rabbi recommend the Valt Sadaka in this case? I, I don't, first of all, he probably made a pledge to Rabbi Sadovsky's shul, so you probably can't just lower the pledge amount once you made a pledge. That That's binding when you make a pledge to, uh, to tzedakah. So that I don't think he can do. Um, I would probably send $180 or something, you know, to Rabbi Luben Shul. Thank you for your understanding, you know, something like that. But I don't think he, uh, he has to give them a, a major a major sum of, uh, sum of money. Okay. All right. Have a great Shabbos, everybody. Thank you, you too.